So today is the kickoff of a brand new series called Sliding in the DM. Don't let your mind wander on that one, all right? Just calm down. Um, we're going to talk about God's direct message about love and relationships to us, right? And we're starting this brand new series over the whole month of February. We do this every year, and it is an amazing series. I do want to echo what Pastor Chris said during worship. I do challenge you um, to be here every week of this series because what we're doing today is, uh, in my terms, I'm giving you a toolbox, but the rest of the month we're putting tools in that toolbox that are going to help us learn how to navigate this. Now, here's some of the questions I get. I want to hit right off the front every single year. Anytime I even do a message about marriage or relationships, I get people that go, well, I'm, not, I'm not even dating anybody, right? Well, welcome to Rady Date, okay? We can hook you up with a speed dating service uh, right after. In fact, right after service, if you're single and looking, in the lobby at the Connect Center, there's a lot of people there, okay? You know, you can just kind of go, he's cute, or she, you know, what's her number? And then look at their Connect card. You don't even have to ask. Just kind of go, excuse me, can you get your shoulder out of the way, please? And then text them this week, go, hey, girl, well, how you doing? You know what? I'm just kidding. Y'all don't do that. That's creepy. I just went creepy on you. Don't do that. Right? Um, <laughs> that was weird. Um, but I'm single. Is this going to help me? Yes. Because you will not wake up one day and be the perfect spouse. It takes to be what God wants you to be in a marriage. It takes you living it out today. It's putting habits in place, things in place to be everything God wants you to be as a spouse for your spouse. That's why we just finished a series called Win the Year. It was all about habits, habits we can do to get better and draw closer to God. And then I got people that are like, hey, I'm just engaged. Is this good for me? Yes. Yes, this gives you, this series is going to help you figure out what your marriage needs to look like and be like. Hey, I've been married for 40 years. Is it going to help me? Yes. You see a theme in all the answers here? Yes, it's going to help you too. Like we are, I've been married 13 years and I know like every week, I'm like, I really need to get better at that. And that, I got this running list that never ends of things I need to get better on. We all need to get better as a marriage, as a couple, as a spouse, right? And then I've got people, this is the one, that people come in, they're like, I've been divorced. Is that okay? Can I be here? Is it going to help me? I just want some people that's already been through that nightmare in your life to know that when you give that over to God, there's no more shame, there's no more guilt, there's no more condemnation, there's a better life for you. He still has purpose for you and love for you and joy for you, and he loves you through that. And I want you to know today, you're welcome here. You're welcome to be here. We're going to live this thing out, and we're going to figure out how to learn from what went wrong last time and how to make it better this time, right? And so we're, okay, all right, right? All right, there we go. All right, here we go. So we're in this series called Sliding in the DM. Go ahead and make your, uh, get your friends here, be a part of this. And if you want, I just want to let you know, because uh, I know the kids are busting in the back. That's amazing, and we are welcome for that. We're ready for that. But if you want to try another service, we have an 8.30 or 11.30 to free up some seats at this service. That's fine. 8.30 or 11.30, you can come to one of those identical services with kids ministry and everything. So you're welcome to those too. Hey, as we kick off this series, i got to ask this question as we start today. We're starting a message called Inside the Box. Inside the Box, right? And I, I, we always encourage people to take notes here. Um, inside the box, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. It's where we're really going to hang out. We got any game players, any gamers in the house? Like you love to play games. We have an entire small group, life group, on game night. I busted in on it the other night. I expected to hear laughter when I came around the corner. They were silent. I don't know if they were praying for each other. No, I'm just kidding. They were eating is what they were doing. They were eating. 
They were about to play, and then I heard they beat each other up in the middle of it. Now, I've got three kids. I got a 10-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a three-year-old. And to keep them from going crazy sometimes and keep us from going crazy sometimes, we play board games, right? We'll play Jenga, right? My three-year-old grabbed me the other day, and I just wanted to sit down and watch football. And he said, Daddy, you know, you can't ever, like, turn this down. He said, Daddy, will you play Jenga? And I was like, first of all, you treat them as Legos, so we don't even build it right. But yes, I'll play Jenga. So we play Jenga. We like to, this is one of the games we do like to play here uh, at our house. The floor is lava, right? And so there is a game called Floor is Lava. I know like middle schoolers and high schoolers like to play it all the time, no matter what. I'll be walking in the kitchen. They're like, Floor is Lava. I'm like, I'm melting then. Because <laughs> I'm not jumping on a counter. Is what it is, right? And, but we play this game. And one of the things that I like to do as a kid, and now I watch my kids do it, especially my three-year-old, is I like to take the pieces out of the box and put them together however I wanted. Like for me as a kid, y'all remember that game Mousetrap back in the day? It had the marble. They still got it, but it had the marble, and you set up the thing, and it traps the mouse. If you play. I still do this. I used to play that game all the time, literally every day. I love to play it, but I can't tell you how to actually play it because I never played it the right way. I don't think I ever actually played the game. What I'd do is take the pieces, and I'd make my own mousetrap. And I would set it up however I wanted so that the marble ran down however I wanted it to run down. And then it would tra uh, trap the mouse. Now I'm watching my kids do this. So the way that you actually play this game is it's got a spinner because every game has to have a spinner now, right? And so it's got a spinner and you spin this. But what you do before you do that, because that's what spinners do, they spin, is you grab these pieces, right? And these pieces are stones that you step on, right? And so you place them randomly on the floor on your playing surface on your floor, and you place them down, and whatever color, right, that you spin is the one that you go to. Now, clearly, like, if there's a red here and a red there, that's not too hard, but if there's a red here and a red over there, then you got to jump without falling in the lava, right? And so we play this, we play this at our house, and we love doing it, and then there's some of them, I don't see one in here right off the bat, and I'm not going to take, oh, here's one. Um, some of them have this little question mark on it. And this question mark means that you now draw a card. And when you draw a card, you have to do what the card says. So if you're standing on the, the, the question mark, it says, throw an imaginary ball, right? So you'd stand on it. That's not too hard. It's not an imaginary ball. Now, the first service, it said, twirl around two times like a ballerina. <laughs> so Elliot, one of our worship leaders here that you heard singing just earlier, and it stood up and twirled around two times like a like a, a, a ballerina. I was going to say like a worship leader. I don't know a worship leader that twirls around. <laughs> and so, but here's what my three-year-old does, right? He, we'll, we'll lay it out and we'll start playing, but he doesn't like to play it this way. In fact, I think if I called him on stage and I was going to do that, but I'm really terrified of what he'd say if I gave him the microphone, like for real. So I didn't do that. I think he would say, if it doesn't say get on the question mark, go find the question mark and stand on it. Because what he likes to do is he likes to use them as a path to go to the question mark. And then what he likes to do is not do what the card says, but make you do what the card says. And so he'll go, Daddy. He can't read yet. He'll make me read it. He'll go, Daddy, throw an imaginary ball. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's not the game. He's like, do it. I'm not doing it. Do it, Daddy. That's the game, Dad. And then if you don't do it, then you've lost the game that isn't a real game anyway. <laughs> and that's how we play this game. But 
inside this box, we got all the makings of the game, right? And it's a, it's a fun game when you play it correctly. It really is. It's fun, and, and you jump, and you fall on your face, and you run over other people, and like, those things are great. Y'all don't seem like you enjoy that part of the game. I love those parts of the game. And so, in this box, there is all the makings of a great game. But when I play it outside of the way the instruction manual tells me to play it, and when I put the pieces that are in the box for the game in the wrong order, then I can't get the desired or the intended result out of the game simply because I'm not playing the game the way it was meant to be played. Why does that matter? What does this have to do with us? Because often in relationships and marriage, even after we're married and before we're married and all these things, we'll have the pieces for a great game right here in the box. You got the desire, and, and listen, I just, I'm just going to tell you, I don't hold back on relationships messages. And so if you got young kids in here, we got a great kids ministry, <laughs> right? But we have all the pieces of a mar- like a great marriage. We got all the pieces of what it could be. We got, we got desire and sexual attraction, right? You know what lust is? Lust is sexual attraction outside of the box. That's why it's dangerous, because you're lusting after someone that you weren't desi- uh, intended to have sexual attraction towards. That's what lust is, right? And so you got all these things. You got honor and love and appreciation and respect and, and sexual desire and all these things in here. But when we take them out of the box and we go, I'm going to do these things outside of marriage, then we don't get the intended result that was there for us to begin with. And then we get to the end of the game and guess what happens? God, how dare you let me experience that? Why is my marriage falling apart? I don't know. Are your eyes only for her or him? Or are they for other people too? I I don't know. Is the honor that you should be showing your spouse being shown to your boss? I I don't know. Are you you keeping marriage inside what what the Bible calls the marriage bed? So are you like keeping sex for marriage or are you just going, hey, we love each other, that's enough. And the reality is, is we all deal with this in some way. You may go, I'm already married. I'm already married. Yeah, that's great. But let's keep it still the right way because there's still things we need to learn to do to keep it inside the box the way God wants it to happen. And I'm not here to shame anybody. What I'm here to tell you is when we play the game and we live the life The way God intended it to be lived, I promise you, it's way better on the other side. I've got people that I could prance up on this stage, walk up on this stage right now that are sitting in this room. i got people in the Florence room right now that can tell you that what God has done in their marriage has saved their marriage when they started doing it inside the box way more than anything they could do outside the box. we got people with divorce papers in their purses that are framed now at their house indicating what God's brought them from. we got people, listen, I'm telling you, we got people that have done things with other people outside of their marriage and God's restored it and brought them closer we got people I'm just telling you God's changing lives but watch this we still got to do it inside the box and here's the thing I don't know how to put this together you know how I know how to play this game I read the instruction booklet I know it's hard to believe it's hard to believe a man read an instruction booklet but he did praise God let's do a little jig up here That was ridiculous, and I never need to do that again. (laughs) I have no rhythm. None. But the great thing is, is I know you're going, well, I don't know how to do all that. He left us an instruction booklet. He left us an instruction booklet for life. 
He left an instruction booklet for me. He left an instruction booklet for you. He left an instruction booklet for my marriage, for your marriage, for the marriage that will be, for the marriage that was, for the marriage that's coming. Like all these things, I'm telling you, this right here is it. And teenagers, let me just tell, talk to you. All of you that are in high school and, and in college that are trying to figure this thing out and, and you think you're in love because he bought you flowers, those die. Let me just speak to you for a minute. This right here will teach you how to do it the right way. Don't give yourself away to somebody that's going to walk away. Like, don't, don't, listen, and I know he put a ring on it. That's good, but wait. I'm, tr I'm, I'm just trust me. Let's do this thing inside the box. Let's do it God's way. And he left us an instruction manual. He left us a, a way on how to learn how to do this thing correctly. He, he left us a way how to put the game together, how to play the game, how to enjoy the game, how to get to the end of the game and go, man, that marriage, holy smokes. Yeah, we had our differences, and yeah, it was tough, and yeah, it was hard, and yeah, it was frustrating, but my gosh, that thing was incredible. I want you to get old and gray and look at your spouse and go, I love you more today than I did when I was 25. I want you to sit, I want you to sit in rocking chairs on your front porch, drinking coffee, talking about the news together, going, I just love you. <laughs> Listen, I want y'all to still desire each other. I don't want us to get to this thing where marriage is like this thing that you just do. You just get through. Like Prince Charming, we're going to feast at the Garden of Olives, right? Like, y'all, I love that line, actually. I thought it was great. Let's make this thing right. Let's do this thing right. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 27. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and, and he writes a ton about love, and he writes a ton about, um, about leadership in his books, uh, throughout the New Testament, but he puts something in here about marriage, and here's why. Because in that day, man, their marriages were not doing so well. They were struggling. They had multiple ones to begin with. Don't do that, right? All this stuff's going on, and he just speaks to it. In verses 22 through 27, here's what he says. And, 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 and some of you may have used this as a weapon in your relationships in the past, as a joke. Let's get through and see what it really says, all right? 22 through 27. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Don't get mad. Just let's, leave. let's read it. Somebody said, just please keep going. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Verse 25. Husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. How did he do that? He gave himself up for her. Why did he do that? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Verse 27. That he might present to himself the church, or the bride, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. I love these scriptures, but a lot of times they're overlooked because they're misunderstood. And what we don't understand, we often don't withstand, and so therefore we won't dig into it. 
And I want us to kind of dig a little bit today and figure out what is the Apostle Paul doing? Remember, today is about getting the box, figuring out the box, figuring out the structure, the toolbox. The rest of the series will put stuff in the box for the great marriage and the game pieces and all that stuff. In fact, at the end of the series, our intention is to answer all of your real-time questions. We just want to answer your questions. But the reality is we're going to do that. But I love what the Apostle Paul is writing here because it teaches us that for married people, it gives a clear outline. It gives the box, like this is how a husband should be, and this is how a wife should be. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it acts like. And then he looks at engaged people. If you read this, and he goes, hey, I know you're engaged. You're in love. Like you're working on your marriage and that day, and it's going to be great. But I, want, I think what the Apostle Paul would say it like this. Don't focus so much on the event that you forget what happens after the event. Don't forget, don't focus so much on the honeymoon <laughs> that you forget there's months after the honeymoon. Don't be so prepared for the day that you don't live the life. And, he, and he's looking at engaged people and saying, this is what your marriage should be. You should be setting up foundations for this to be how you act as a husband, this to be how you act as a wife, and this is what it looks like. If you're single, I said it earlier, you don't just wake up one day and act like this. It's not in our nature. It's not in our nature. What it is, is it's disciplines and it's habits and it's opportunities. And if you're divorced, I just wanna say again, maybe this isn't what your relationship looked like previously. I don't know the extent and maybe, you had, maybe something happened and you had to split and walk away from each other. I just want you to know, it can start today. The next marriage you're in can look like God wants it to look like and that is okay. I want everybody to know there's something for you in here. And so Paul is talking, first, I want to talk to the husbands. I want to talk to the men for a minute. Wives, you can elbow them, it's fine. We're having fun in here. I want to talk to the men for a minute. He says, men, husbands. He gives us a great sobering challenge. He says, husbands, love your wife like Jesus loves the church. Now, I, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I want to define what the church is because if you look, you go, well, Jesus was around. There was no church. There was no building. There was no meeting. He just met with people and taught people the kingdom. That's because the church is actually you. This is a facility that facilitates what God does in and through you. So when we walk out of here, we are being the church. So when he says, just as Christ loved the church, it's just as Christ loved you. How does, how does Christ love us? How does Jesus love us? He loves us sacrificially. He gave his life. He gave his life so that we could have life. He ended his to begin ours. That's how we are to love our wife. I should be willing to give my life, my preferences, my, my thoughts, my desires, my, I should be willing to give whatever I want so that she can begin everything she wants. Are you with me? I know you're like, that's, that's tough. It's called commitment. It's called love. He sacrificially gave everything so that we could be what he called us to be. He was selfless, he was so selfless that he spent time with people he didn't have to spend time with and he would stop to care for their needs. 
You know what was so incredible about Jesus was Jesus was considered a great prophet and, and basically a high priest or rabbi back in those days. Those guys, listen to me, those guys in that culture didn't hang around with people like you and me. They didn't go into the common places. They didn't walk through the middle of tax collectors and in the middle of cities. So when Jesus, it says that Jesus shows up and, and he's walking through a crowd, you automatically know he's walking in places other people in his position never walked in. And when he shows up and there's a woman with an issue of blood that needs a healing and she reaches out and touches his garment and he heals her through her faith, watch this. It, the, what made it so special was he was in the middle of people that were sick and he never should have been according to tradition. He was selfless. He cared more about you than him. And he still cares more about you than him. He wants you to be everything that God wants you to be. So he's sacrificial. He's selfless. Man, he loved passionately. He loves his church. He loves his kids passionately. Like, think about this, man. He was so passionate. Let's go back to the previous example. He was so passionate, he went around people he didn't have to go around. He was so passionate, he looked and he goes, that's fine, you can kill me. You can take my life, you can torture me, you can do whatever you want to do. But I love my kids. And I'm going to make sure they got eternal relationship with the Father. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? He, he's so stressed, he begins sweating blood. And he, and he begins and he says his statement. He says, God, if you can take this cup from me, please do. In other words, God, I don't really want to go through torture. I don't want a crown of thorns pushed down my face. I don't want to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. I don't want the flesh ripped off my bones. I don't want to bleed. I don't want a spear in my side. But if I have to, in order to love my people, I will. It's passionate. Husbands, hear me, men. That's our challenge, to love our wives as he loves us. And I can't think of a more challenging thought than that. So I ask myself, am I really doing that? And more times than not, I fail that test. But I wake up the next day and try again. That's our call, men. It's not to lord over someone. It's, he's, it's like Jesus. He doesn't lord over us. He is lord of us. He guides and he loves and, and he's just there with us, right? And then it says women, wives, love your husbands as the church is to love Christ. Do you know what this church exists for? This church exists to exhibit the love and the goodness and the vision God has for you in this community. And so what is our job? To shout of his goodness everywhere that we go. To live love loud. To change lives. To be a part of what God is doing in this. Wives, can I tell you, most men, do you know what we want? Honor. Respect. Just respect us. And most times, we'll just be like melted cheese in your hand. She loves me. I know we act big and tough, but we just want some love. Man, support and honor each other. Do this thing together. The Apostle Paul is teaching us how to have a marriage that's inside the box that uplifts God. And here's why. Because when God is first, the rest can be at its best. When God is first, we got to remember that. Listen to me, singles. Let me talk to you for a minute while that statement's up there. If you need him or her to fulfill you, Jesus never can. 
If you need him or her to make you feel like you're good enough, Jesus will never be enough. You need to know as you live this life, you need to be okay with you and Jesus and then let him bring that person into your life. Let him connect you and not, don't let him or her take any of that from you. Your identity is not found in another man or another woman. It is found in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that gave his life on the cross that we could have life on earth. I'm just telling you that's, that's it. Married couples, when he's first, when he's first, your sex life gets better. When he's first, your communication gets better. When he's first, you have more fun together. When he's first, your parenting gets better. When he, I'm just telling you, when he's first, everything else can be at its best because he's got the instruction manual for the pieces of the game that he gave us. Let me give you three thoughts in marriage, three things that we can focus on real quick, right? So write these down. Here's one, here's one. Love and honor them. I talked about this earlier. There's a book called Love and Respect. And what it talks about is by uh, Egricks. And what it talks about is how men want respect. That's the biggest thing we're wired to, 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 to achieve for and strive for and go for is respect. We want people to respect what we're doing. Even if we're doing it wrong, just respect it, right? I mean, respectfully tell me you're screwing this up. <laughs> and what women long for is love and affection. Most men are not wired in love and affection. So we have to learn that side of things. Man, love and honor them. Hey, you want to walk in the, work, in the door from work and her look at you and give you that, that look? Y'all don't act awkward now. Y'all wasn't awkward whenever so you walked in and you were like, mm-hmm, ignoring me again, ain't you? Don't act awkward now. It's part of life, right? You want to walk in the door and him look at you and be like, girl, mm, come on, the kids are occupied. <laughs> Listen, sex starts before the bedroom. It starts before that day. It starts four or five days prior to that. You can't wake up in the morning and give her a wink and she'd be like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's those text messages. It's that love that you give her. It's the way that you disagree with her that matters. Because aren't those the moments where she goes, oh, you were going to be a jerk about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich earlier, but now... You good now, ain't you, Bubba? Well, I got a headache, and I ain't taking Tylenol. Right? <laughs> right? And the reality is, if you love and, and, and honor, it changes. He walks in, and you've been cocking an attitude for three days with him about everything. He's working his butt off, and he wants to look at you and be like, I mean, give me, I, I, I'm good with for tonight, but we're going to talk about this first. Honor, respect, love. I can't ask somebody to desire me whenever I don't even act like they matter to me. Love them, honor them. It makes everything. Watch this. I talk, and when I do marriage counseling, I talk about this because we always talk about kids in it, right? And, and when I talk about that, I look at them and go, when you have kids, let your kids see how to love somebody of the opposite sex by the way you love their parent. Let them see how to, how to be treated by a man by the way that, their mom is treated by a man. Let them see how to treat a man by the way that you treat their dad. All that stuff matters. Love and respect, and I promise you, I promise you it'll change everything. Watch this. Men, 
pursue her the way she wants to be pursued. If she, if she wants flowers, don't go to Victoria's Secret. Go to whole, uh, Fresh Market and buy some flowers. It's cheaper anyway, right? Like, ladies, pursue him the way he wants to be pursued. It's like this. I'll give you this resource too. Write this down. The Five Love Languages. Five Love Languages. Great book. Great book. And here's what it's like. It gives you five love languages, and it gives you what your primary one or two are. One or two are, right? So here's, here's the concept. I'm going to give it to you. Is whatever your primary love language is, your spouse needs to learn to speak that. But they also have a primary love language that you need to learn to speak. And if you don't speak the other person's love language, it's like you in an English country speaking German. They don't know what you're trying to say. So if her love language is acts of service and you keep buying her gifts, she may enjoy the gifts, but she just wants you to wash dishes. Right? And so she may not, she may look at you and be like, oh, this is so sweet, thank you. But you may be, you may get a look from her when you start loading that dishwasher. This like, oh, baby, I'll wash these dishes every day. But if his, if his love language is physical touch or words of affirmation, let's use that one, words of affirmation, and you are trying to speak through acts of service, Right? He doesn't understand that because he needs you to tell him how great he is and how good he is and how good of a father he is and how good of a husband he is, how good of a man he is and how hard he works, how much you enjoy that and you like that. That doesn't make him e egotistical or arrogant. It just means he needs your affection and affirmation, and that's fine. Love them, honor them, figure out what it looks like to do that. Here's the, here's the other one. Here's another one. We do life together. So if we're going to do it the way Jesus does, watch this. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So why do we leave and forsake our spouse? When they're going through a hard time, it's supposed to be two become. But we go and make purchases without talking to them. We, we take promotions at work without talking to them. We make these decisions. No, with Jesus, he says, I'll never leave you nor, nor forsake you. In good times or bad times, whenever, whenever it's a good decision, a bad decision, a hard decision, whatever, it doesn't matter. Here's the reality. We're in this together. What if we loved our spouse like that? Like, hey, babe, like, I know I've been gone for work late the past three nights, but the boys want me to come and watch some football. Are you good with that? If not, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. But if so, like, if you're good with that, I'd love to go hang out with them too. And then you and I are going on a date night Friday night. Two become one. We do life together. Ask them about work, not just how was work today. Ask them about the meeting that they had. And watch this. This is a crazy concept. Listen to it. <laughs> now, I, I got ADDDDDDDDDDD. I get distracted by a dust particle flying the wrong way. So Megan starts talking to me, and here's this is true. What she's learned is how to condense. This is so bad. This sounds terrible coming out. Condense her answers so that I can actually pay attention. Right? And it's not because I don't care. It's because that's how I'm wired. She's got friends. They send these voice texts back and forth. They're about 745 minutes apiece. And I'm sitting, y'all, I'll walk in and out of a room four times, and they're just sitting there, yes, and my day was this, and this happened, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh. You've told seven stories, and I don't work that way. The girl she does that with is sitting in this room 
and embarrassed right now. But learn how to have those conversations. I tell, I tell, people, I tell couples this all the time. Be a student of your spouse. If you know more about your coworker than you do your spouse, you're studying the wrong person. It, it, it's outside the box. If I can tell you what my coworker's favorite candy bar is, but I don't even know what my wife's favorite drink is, I've studied the wrong person. If I wonder how they're going to react to this outfit more than that person is, I've studied the wrong person. It's all real life, y'all. If I know more about my job than I do my spouse, my focus is in the wrong things. I, I got to learn how to do this the way that God says. And then the third one, I'm, I'm closing up in just a moment. Love who they are. And I want to say this, and love who you are. See, God made both of you very specifically. Ephesians says, before the foundation of the world were created, you and I were created on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. By God. Details and all. Y'all, I'm, I'm quirky. I got quirks. The lines on the, the, mat, the, the bed cover, what's that thing called? The, no, the big thing. Comforter. Golly, why did that? The lines on the comforter can't be diagonal when I go to sleep. It's dumb. It's got to be straight. If it's not straight, I will, y'all, I will jerk that thing around until it gets straight, at least on my side. I don't care what's happening over there. It's my side. It's dumb. But she loves me anyway. Volume has to be at even numbers on my radio. If it's on an odd number, you're going to either listen a little less or it's going to be one step higher. Just letting you know. Like, it's just what I do. Is that I, I can't change it. I mean, I probably could, but it would drive me nuts, and I'm driving down the road going, I can't do this. <laughs> it's part of how I'm wired, but watch this. She doesn't try to change that. She laughs. In fact, it's a game now. She'll turn it on odd just to see if I notice. <laughs> and, y'all, I ain't even got to be looking at the screen, and I know it's something in me that goes, it's on odd, it's on odd, it's on odd, alert, alert. <laughs> it's a game. Y'all, listen, love them for who they are. Stop trying to change them. You're not God. Because remember this. This is the last thought I want to leave you with. The shareable is this. Before they were your spouse, they were God's kid. And the way you treat your wife is the way you're treating his daughter. And the way you treat your husband is the way you're treating his son. Before they were your spouse, they were God's kid. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God looking at me and going, you ain't treating my kid like that. Maybe some of the shame and condemnation that I'm feeling ain't because of what I've done. It's because of how I'm treating them. And listen to me. I just want us to get to a place where we're at the end of our life, Marty, and we're going, hey, this is great. I got to the end of the game, and yeah, like, it's crazy, and we're old, and we can't stand up without a chaos. Like, all this stuff is great, but we love each other, and this is good. I want you to finish with your family. I want you to finish with your spouse. There's two things I want you to finish with, and none, neither one are money. Jesus and family. If you finish with those things, it's better than any paycheck you could ever bring in. That's what we look for. Come on, you can clap for that. Some of you are like, do I clap right now? Yes! That's what I want. So we slide into the DM to go, God, what are you saying to us? 
What are you saying to us? How do I do this? Now again, today's the structure in the box. But I love that Jesus goes, God goes, hey, the way that I loved you, take that, know that, and love your spouse that way. That's the box of a great marriage. In the rest of the month, we'll add pieces into that box. But today, we got a challenge. Love your wife as Christ loves the church, and love your husband as the church loves Christ. Can I pray with you real quick? If you would bow your heads with me. If you're in the room and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want salvation and to start a new life, we got teams getting ready for you to host you, but I just want to pray with you. If you're in the room and you want to give your life to Jesus today, right where you are, would you hold your hand up? I just want to pray and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm not going to call you up front. I just want to see who I'm praying with. That's all. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the ultimate example. Thank you for giving us the box to do this thing right. And God, maybe we've gotten it wrong up to this point. And God, I just declare to some people like, that's okay, let's start over. Let the change start with me today. Let me do it your way. Because God, here's what I know. When we do it the wrong way, but we give you the wrong way, you take and replenish the right way within us. And there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's just new life. There's just new, new stories. There's a new life that we get to walk out with you. And so, God, I just pray right now, help us do that. Let us be what we need to be for our spouse, whether we're in a marriage, whether we're going to be in a marriage soon with engagement, or whether we're still looking. It doesn't matter. God, let us be everything you called us to be. Because when you're first, the rest is always best. And God, we love you. And we give you everything that we have. And here's what I know. God, I pray that you take everything that we have in our life and you just touch it and let it bring you glory. And what I know is lives are being changed in this room and in Florence right now. And God, we love you and honor you. And in just a moment, I'm going to say amen. And when I say amen in Florence, your campus directors are going to stand up and give you some next steps to help you learn how to engage in what God's doing in your life. And here in Columbia, we're going to get some next steps about what God can do in your life moving forward. Father, we love you and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's make some noise in the house today.